Coming up on today's Locked On Senators, we are bringing back one of our favorite guests. It's been far too long, but Mike Kelly from the NHL Network and Sport Logique is back with some hot takes on the Ottawa Senators. He tells us all about what it is Sport Logique does, the new additions to the team in Tarasenko and Corpusalo, and more. And why goalies are voodoo. And on that note, Philip Gustafson has signed a new contract with the Minnesota Wild. We'll get into all that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützler, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 850 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains, please like and subscribe wherever you download your podcast. We're also free and available on YouTube where we want you to leave a comment below. Today's comment, what caught your attention from the Mike Kelly interview? Because he dropped some serious nuggets about different areas with the Ottawa Senators team. Today is Monday, July 31st and Pillsy, 850 episodes doesn't feel like a milestone, but it's a nice round number. Yeah, it certainly has a nice ring to it. Uh, we're getting close to 1,000, 150 away from 1,000. That's going to come really quick. Uh, we uh, Honestly, Ross, we're at the point now where we need to start brainstorming for that one because that is – episode 500 was big. We had Tom Schbott on the show. That was awesome. Uh, but 1,000, whew, damn. Yeah, we might we might have to do something something serious. Could that be the road trip game where we get all the citizens involved? We'll have to take a look at the schedule and see where it all lands. One thing's for sure is Mike Kelly is now a recurring guest, and he's going to be back way more often. The insight's great, and for anyone who doesn't know, you just see him, and most of his on-air content is in the United States with NHL Network. He's an analyst down there, but he's a good Ottawa boy at heart. Yep, yeah, you love to have a local guy. Uh, he still follows the Ottawa Senators and has family and friends uh, asking him all about them all the time. So definitely a lot of great insight. And the the thing I love best about Mike Ross is he's able to understand all the analytics and all the stats and all the numbers and then explain it to two goofballs like you and I in ways that we can understand. So that's the best thing about it. No spoiler. Well, actually, we'll get to our favorite parts of the interview right afterwards, but I do want to tease what's coming tomorrow. We're going to post the audio as well, but I think you should watch this one on YouTube. Once a week for the rest of summer, we're doing what we're calling the Ring of Honor, where we are going to pick a different topic every week, and we're going to draft our own teams, a top four, and it gets contentious. It really does. It's going to be a great time. At Leams Martian joins us for these. It's just going to be a fun Bonus content in between show. You knew we couldn't actually do three shows a week. Like, come on. That's not us. <laughs> yeah, we wanted to find a new fun summer idea to kind of, you know, in the days where there's not big breaking news, we can take a look back at some nostalgic uh, Senators history. So we have a lot of fun with that. We certainly do. And the organizational value rankings are coming mm-hmm. up right now. The big problem, if you want to call it that issue, good, good problem is where does Vladimir Tarasenko rank in this organizational ranking? One-year deal, 
but I'm going to be pushing for him to be fairly high on this list. Well, Ross, I thought you were going in a different direction for this because I, th- I think we're going to be able to place him fairly easily. It's more, where is Shane Pinto going to land based on what kind of contract he ends up with? I think that's the more contentious one. Well, let us know in the comments as well. Shane Pinto, that is the one remaining you know, hammer to drop this, this offseason and the corresponding move to fit his impending contract under the cap for the Ottawa Senators. Igor Sokolov still needs a contract as well. If any of that does happen, you know Locked On Senators will be all over that. But I think this is a perfect summer interview for everyone. Mike Kelly, great guy, former Paul's Boatline employee, just like me, selling boat tours there between the Chateau Laurier and uh, Parliament Hills. So great to see that connection stay strong. One of my favorites when I was working at TSN, whenever Mike Kelly was going to come in and do a segment or whatever, it was always money. He, he's really good at communicating, and we're really excited for you to listen to that. So let's get to it. Coming up next, it's Mike Kelly. Then we'll touch on Philip Gustafson's new contract in Minnesota. And, well, something Mike Kelly says I want to get into. That's next. You're listening to Locked On Senators. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. Guys, it is heating up in MLB season. The playoff teams are trying to stack up for their runs, and guys are heading all over the league. So it's a great time to start betting on baseball, and you can take your first swing at MLB baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. So you bet 20 bucks, you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. And that's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. FanDuel is the trusted online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's also America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Today's episode is also brought to you by, it's our good friends at Farm to Fork. Farm to Fork at visit farm2forkdelivery.ca and go there to get all your premium meat and seafood delivered right to your door. You can put in your postal code and you will be amazed at just how far you can get, whether you're in Ottawa, you're in Quebec, you're in different areas of Collingwood. Collingwood, Pillsy got the farm to fork fresh, antibiotic free, hormone free, vacuum sealed from the butcher's table, individually frozen so you can pull out just what you need. They've got steaks, they've got chicken, they've got seafood. Literally, go to their website, see for yourself, farm2forkdelivery.ca, and be the hero among your friends that wants to invite everybody over for a barbecue because you can take care of your guests with the great premium seafood and meats that are available at Farm to Fork. Farm2forkdelivery.ca, all natural and absolutely delicious. You want to believe it? Well, go see the average 5.0 stars review on Google. As I mentioned, they're flash frozen. As I mentioned, they're delivered. Free delivery, by the way. So save money on gas, save time, and they will send you a notification when your meats will arrive. They've got the ribeyes, my favorite. You can get sirloins. Pillsy loves that. Pillsy loves the chicken. We know that. Age-free, air-chilled, and you can go to farm2forkdelivery.ca. That's two, the number two, farm2forkdelivery.ca, and use this limited-time promo code SENDS10. We'll get you 10% off your first purchase. Taste the farm to fork difference. You will never go back to grocery store meats. All right, now let's get to our interview with NHL Network analyst and good Ottawa boy. Here is Mike Kelly. 
right, we now welcome a very special guest back to Locked On Senators. He's an NHL analyst that translates big data into easy-to-understand storylines. You can follow his work on the NHL Network as well as with SportLogic, which is an industry leader in advanced statistics. Mike Kelly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? I'm good, Ross. Thanks for having me back. It's uh, As you guys know, I'm, I'm from Ottawa originally, so always love talking to the local people and, and about the local team there too. Well, we're kind of in trouble because we don't get to see your work as much on NHL Network. You're hiding down there, but everyone's already following you on Twitter, <laughs> Mike Kelly, NHL, and always great to have the local connection. So do you keep a little bit of an extra eye on the Senators just based on your history with the city? Yeah, I do. And like, I've got friends and family that bug me all the time too, right? So, um, hey, what do you think about this? And why is this guy playing here? And um, so I, I've always got, you know, even from like third parties, it's just coming at me a little bit, but uh, man, like they're they're one of the most fun teams in the league to watch right now. So even just from like an entertainment standpoint, if I can throw a game on and I'm not working and the sense are playing someone, I'm, I'll throw that on for sure. Well, this just begged a follow-up. Which player is the most contentious? Who do you get asked about with friends and family the most? Contentious? Yes. <laughs> huh. Probably Shabbat. He was in a situation, not so much last year, but before, where he was asked to do everything, right? Like yeah. everything. And so it's like, okay, the guy screws up here and there. It's like, well, he's a turnover machine. Like, no, he's not. He's 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 literally, you want to talk about advanced metrics, like he's top three every year, top five in terms of puck possession, just having it. So of course he's going to turn it over more than most people. But what you do is you look at the turnovers relative to how much he has it. It's not bad. Um, and, you know, the guy was never going to be an elite shutdown D. Like he's a great yeah. skater, offensive instincts, all that stuff. But he was forced to play in spots where, now that there's more help on the back end, you know, I think he can thrive a little bit um, more to play to his strengths a bit more. But there's people that love him for sure in the market. There's people that are like, ah, is he really a number one? So I, I got asked about him a ton. Nobody says anything to me about Brady and Stutzla other than these guys are the best. Well, <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. no arguing that. So there's no discussion there. So that's that's definitely fair. Now, we yeah. mentioned um, your involvement with Sports, Lo Sports Logique and um, you talked about some stats there. So just for some, some of the hockey fans out there that aren't able to access uh, Sport Logique, can you explain what type of stats it provides and what uh, kind of the, the basis of it is? Yeah, so we're looking, you've got your, you know, NHL site where you've got goals and shots and hits and takeaways and all those things, right? We're, we're looking at, um, with computer vision tracking system that we have, uh, machine learning is capabilities as well. We're taking broadcast feeds in and eventing basically everything around the puck, every um, possible event that can occur on the ice. So we're talking hundreds of events and thousands of data points every game. Literally, like I said with Shabbat, how much time a player has the puck on his stick. We can break it down into all three zones, all manpower situations. Um, uh, what players do defensively away from the puck to get it back. Passing statistics, uh, skating statistics. So really getting as much as we can to kind of give the most holistic view of a, of a player, of a team, of the game uh, as possible. And, you know, we, we you say industry leader. I appreciate that, that we are. We, we work with 31 of the 32 teams in the NHL. So which uh, team don't you work with? Natural follow up question. <laughs> I cannot say. But, uh, <laughs> I figured I had to ask. Had to ask. <laughs> no, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> um, it's not the senators, though, because I've heard the coaches talk about getting your post game packages after certain games. 
Well, if you're a fan of any team listening to this right now, you can probably assume we work with your team because <laughs> odds are 31 and 32 that we do. But um, yeah, I know it's great. So uh, it's it's incredible information. Like I obviously I promote the company. I work there. I've, I'm one of the longest standing employees and I've been there for seven years. But I went there because of my belief in the company. I don't so much promote the company because I work there. Like I work there because I saw what they were doing and were like, man, I got to get involved with these these people. So what is the the stat that you think impacts the game the most that maybe fans don't don't see just watching it with uh, with a blind not blind eye but just watching the game on TV? Yeah, I don't think there's one number exactly. Um, like shot quality is is massively important. The inner slot, and I talk about it a lot. Um, we're getting it on broadcast a little more. It's becoming a little more mainstream. It's kind of a diamond shaped area from the crease out up to the hash marks. It's where half the goals in the league are scored. Uh, it's incredibly important. Um, and I think there has been kind of in the way the game's talked about more emphasis on, okay, yeah, this team outshot a team 36 to 25, but boom, go right to the quality. It's going to tell you more of the story. Um, expected goals is goal probability. And, you know, I know that word, sometimes people just tune right out. What's an expected goal. And, you know, it's a probability of a shot going in and, it's being adopted more in the mainstream, I think. But if you really want to understand the way that a game is going, um, who really has an advantage when some of the more traditional statistics look the same, that's a good way to go about it. Um, and so I, I don't know. The way that I describe it to people who may just be a casual hockey fan that don't want to get into statistical models is like, do you watch golf? They'll say, yeah. Like, Do you understand par? They say, yeah. Say, well, that's what expected goals really is. Like par is the expected score on the whole. Expected goal is just a probability of the odds of that shot going in that was taken. That's a good way to put it. I like that. That uh, that computes for me. So that's a great way to kind of make it easier for everyone. Now, the Ottawa Senators had hopes of making the playoffs last year. Uh, The term was let's play in meaningful games. They were kind of right in it, right down to the stretch. Then injuries derailed uh, this Mm. roster, that's for sure. But is there one statistic that was kind of uh, egregious for you that made it obvious that last year's Senators team was not going to be successful? I'd look at the defensive side of the game. Yeah. Like yeah. it's, uh, and again, when I, when I look at whether it's defense or offense, I'm kind of trying to peel the onion to get the layers and how many goals do you give up a little bit too many expected goals against. So that's what your team is allowing before we even talk about the goaltending too many um, shots from quality areas, different chance types that are dangerous too many. So the team can score. They're, they're one of the highest scoring teams. They, they absolutely lit it up offensively. They got great players in that sense. I like the goaltending moves like Corpus Allo. I thought was a good ad for the Kings last year. And he, he was, you know, pretty good uh, for them as well. And they go and get him. Uh, I like him as a goalie. Like if he, if he and Forsberg can be healthy and be the tandem for the whole year, if not most of it, it's a pretty darn good tandem. Yep. Um, but the defensive side of things, they got to try to insulate the goalies a little bit better. So that's, but that's what's keeping Buffalo out too, right? And Buffalo's knocking on the door as well. So it's Detroit, you know, they don't score as much either and they allow a lot. So they're to me a notch below. But I think if you're talking about, can this team get in the playoffs? You're thinking Buffalo or Ottawa is going to be the team that probably pushes. Both of those teams score a ton. Both of those teams give up too much and goaltending a little more stable in Ottawa, we think, but like Devin Levi, I don't count this kid out. He could end up being a stud for the Sabres. So who knows? 
Yeah, well, you, people in the Ottawa area got to see him in Carlton Place just a couple of years ago, yeah. seventh-round pick, and now he could be a starter at 21. Isn't that crazy? I know. Carlton Place, like he was with the with the Lions in Midget AAA in Montreal is where I first started to hear about him because a friend of mine coached him there and was like, this kid's legit. I'm telling you, he's small. He's legit. Um, goes to – plays NCAA as a stud. And then, yeah, got seven games in the show last year. Like he wins five of them. He looks pretty darn good, so – I don't know what to see. Like, at what point is it like, ah, that was too much for him or too soon or it just hasn't happened yet? Well, it goes right into the conversation I wanted to get into. Like, you can dive into the stats as deep as you want, but is goaltending still just kind of like shrug your shoulders and say it could be one year to the next? There's not really the trends that can show this guy is going to be consistently good outside of maybe the four or five at the top. No, no, I figured it out. Um, oh, yeah. oh, nice. Yeah, All right. I, I did it this off season. I'm already done. So, uh, no, it's crazy. It, it's, it's, that begs this one, Mike. We got this for these situations. So, you're an expert. Hey, well, <laughs> so, you're an expert. Yeah. I don't, I don't, the, the word expert always kind of, I don't know what to make of it because, uh, you know, who isn't still learning and like who really knows that much about anything. But, um, goaltending, it, it's tough. Like, First thing you have to do is separate as much as you can the defensive impacts on whatever team you're playing on, right? Like what Thatcher Demko faces and what Linus Allmark faces are not the same thing. Um, So you do that. Predictive. So what's predictive when it comes to goaltending? Is a guy who's had a good glove or covers the top of the net well in certain years going to be able to carry that forward, vice versa, different chance types, uh, let alone overall performance, which is still a bit of a crapshoot. And there's ways that I go about looking at it that I, I think and hope give me a competitive edge in doing it. Figuring it out? No, not there at all. Um, but it's it, – that's the funny thing, and I've talked to people about this before too. It's like there's like six or seven guys you're pretty sure you can expect elite play from every year, right? That's it. There's 32 teams. Yep. And you know maybe quarterback's kind of a close comparison because there's really the top, top guys and – I don't think there's that many great quarterbacks for as many teams as there are in the NFL either, right? There's kind of guys that still just bounce around and fill in gaps, but going to more of a platoon system with goalies now uh, is a way to stabilize things a little bit. I hope like you look at the Maple Leafs, right? Everybody's favorite team was watching this. Um, <laughs> they they go out and roll the dice on two guys last year. I'm sure hoping like we just need one of them to hit and one of them did. Yeah. That's interesting. Hey, you, you mentioned six goalies. You're pretty sure it could be elite. Ottawa used seven goalies last year, like just to put it in perspective. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nuts. Um, I mean, think about how many goalies Vegas used. They won the Stanley Cup, right. um, and has used. So, yeah, it's a tough. Like, I'll be honest. I don't love the way one of my best friends and one of certainly one of my best friends in hockey uh, is a goalie coach. I have great respect for him. His knowledge is through the roof. It's like a different language talking to him. Just brilliant stuff. Um, but I, I still think it's it's a position that is not – this is a generalization, which I hate to make. It, it It's not coached maybe as well as it could be. Like I, I feel like in a general sense, a lot of these goalies are being taught to block and, and not use their athleticism to the yep. full capabilities they can. Um, and these short side goals drive me nuts where they go into that RVH. Oh, Yeah. Thing. I did a whole segment. The NHL Network is one of the best things about working there. I can pitch them as long as it's, you know, not a terrible idea. Um, I want to do this breakdown. It's going to take like eight minutes or 10 minutes. Like, can I do it? Pretty much always they're like, yep, it looks good. Let's do it. Like, you don't get 10 minutes in TV land to do anything. So 
I, I, I give them a lot of credit. It's one of the reasons I love working there. But I did like a whole thing on this. I had Kevin Weeks demoing it in the back half of it, the goalie's point of nice. view. Of, um, anyway, so it's a bit of a rant. But I, I think it's always cat and mouse, shooter, goalie. And goalies, man, it was hard to score in the league for a while. Now it's kind of too easy in a way. And I think the goalies have to catch up again a little bit. That's all. With the, number, with the numbers back up, though, I feel like watching Corpus Allo over the last couple of years, he, he's more of a reactor than, than I think a lot of the guys who you see just kind of looking to get in front of shots. Like he's sprawling all over the place. But is that almost a negative in a sense, too, where it's like you're kind of for your second and third attempts, you're probably giving up a lot of rebounds. You, you want a healthy balance, right? Like yeah. you're playing in Columbus the last couple of years, you're sprawling no matter who you are. Um, you could be six, eight and you're sprawling, I think. So uh, he goes to the Kings, which is the polar opposite, like such a defensively competent team. Um, but I just, yeah, anyways, I, I just think that there's room to be athletic. You don't want to be lunging around all over the place all the time, obviously. Um, like Vasilevsky's a, all-world goalie. We're not going to say everyone just be like him, but he's a big guy. He can get in front of things, but he's incredibly athletic at the same time. Like, Shesterkin's so powerful. Um, I love watching UC Soros just because he's a smaller guy, and he has to be athletic, sure, but he's his feet, his footwork has to be so good to square up to shots because there's less of them to do it, right? So, uh, And he's one of the best in the league at getting square to shots, too. So, um it's a fascinating position, man. Like endless, endless entertainment and work for me to try to understand it the best I can. And I'm still, you know, far off from figuring it out. Hope you're enjoying our conversation with Mike Kelly. We'll get right back to it. But first, we have to tell you about our friends at the Glebe Central Pub. We love the Glebe Central Pub. We've been there many times. Every time we go to Ottawa, it's a must-stop spot. We've done live shows there. We've done meet and greets. It's an absolute blast. It's your neighborhood pub in the heart of the Glebe. A great place with a cozy atmosphere where you can enjoy yourself with friends and family, watch the game, catch live music, and hey, maybe even some trivia, speed dating, battle box. They got so many fun events going on at the Glebe Central Pub, Ross. Oh, you certainly can find them all on Instagram, Glebe Central Pub. There's always room for a friend at your neighborhood pub located in the heart of the Glebe at 779 Bank Street. So if you're heading down for a Red Blacks game, you're heading down to watch Atletico Ottawa, hey, you can do that all on the way there at the Glebe Central Pub. Fuel up at the Glebe Central Pub, have a pint there. And they also have an amazing supporters group for Atletico Ottawa. So if it's a road game, you want to lock in, go do it at Glebe Central Pub. They are in the heart of the Glebe at 779 Bank Street. The Send Shuttle is coming back soon. So when you go in there, make sure you let them know that Locked On Senators sent you. It's a Glebe Central Pub at 779 Bank Street in the heart of the Glebe. Let them know that this Locked On Senators podcast sent you. All right, now back to our interview with Mike Kelly. We got to talk about the newest addition to the Ottawa Senators, Vladimir Tarasenko. Now, um, you tweeted out that there's a lot of positives to Tarasenko's game, especially when it comes in offensively. And this is a discussion Ross and I have been having on the show and Sens fans have been really working on on Twitter. So I want to get your opinion on this. Where does Vladimir Tarasenko best fit in on this roster? Like, What line mates are you putting him with to maximize his success here? Well, you want someone that can get him the puck. Um, like Norris is a bit more of a shooter, right? He's a good scorer. Um, Stutzla, I, I think, would be that guy because he's so dynamic in, in so many different ways. And if, if Kachuk's going to be the, the net front guy that he typically is, it, it can open up room, I would say, for Tarasenko. I think that makes the most sense. That's where I got him, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, it's not to say it couldn't work in other places and you never really know until you get guys together on the ice, but just on paper, seems like that would make the most sense. Um, thing about Tarasenko too, though, is like maybe an underrated part of his game for a casual fan is that he can bring the puck up ice. Like he's not just a guy that stands around in the ozone waiting for someone to give it to him. Um, he's consistently kind of 85th plus, if not 90th plus percentile in rush chances every year. So carrying the puck into the ozone or get, getting a pass in the neutral zone, taking it to the net, uh, using that great shot that he has. Um, but that, that would be my first, you know, first day at, at camp. Let's throw those three over the boards and see what happens. And you kind of go from there. Um, but yeah, like he's a microcosm of the team. The, the guy can score. Uh, he's not going to defend. Um, he's not a liability. Like he doesn't cough okay. pucks up and, and make terrible decisions with it. If he doesn't have it, he's not going to be the guy to get it back very often as all. Well. So, um, you know that coming in and, and that's fine, but he'll, uh, you know, he'll, he'll add some offensive punch to a team that's already got a lot of it. See, for me, it's, it's more selfish and seeing how great Claude Giroux was with Timmy and Brady last year that I don't want to break that up. But like you said, if it fits best where Claude can kind of play anywhere or with anyone. And I was reading him, him switching from left or over to left wing a few years ago in Philly, he actually had one of his most productive seasons uh, that he's ever had. So maybe that's the play because mm-hmm. you probably don't want to have any of Batherson, Giroux or Tarasenko in your bottom six, although maybe that spreads it out. Are you, if you're, yeah. the, would you, if you're a coach, would you want to spread out the top nine or would you put all of your scoring or as much of it as possible in the top six? I, for Ottawa, I like that top six kind of being that loaded up top six. Um, a lot of times you see coaches kind of go to pairs where it's less about the three on a line and it's just putting pairs together. Um, but one of the reasons I say that is like, if you think about a third line potentially of Kubalik and, and Greg and Pinto, who they need to sign, hmm. um, like Ridley Greg's a pain in the butt kind of guy. Right. And, yeah. uh, Pinto's good. Kubalik's got a big shot like that. That could be a pretty effective third line. So Definitely. that's a great luxury to have as a coach though. If let's say you go in kind of the way we've drawn it up, the big top six, and that's your third line you can shake that up in a few different ways. Cause you got guys that can play center that can play both wings. Even um, you got a lot of options. And if you're a coach, you know, options is one of the first things we'll tell you. They, they like to have in a roster. Yeah. Well, last year, everyone had uh, penciled in, maybe even in pen Stutzla to Giroux. And I think they played 10 minutes together. all season. <laughs> how would you look back on how Ottawa utilized Alex to during his season in the nation's capital? Uh, I remember that. That's the thing, though. Sometimes on paper, it's not what, you know, what it ends up being or, or what you even might think is a best fit. Um, I'd, I'd have to go back I, and look at the line deployment and all that with the Brinkett. Um, well, the Norris obviously, injury, obviously. That's the thing. The Norris injury changed everything. It did. And, like, this is what I try to, when I talk to, like, you know, friends and family and everything back home, is, like, not to so much compare, la- well, last year is going to be this year in a way because you're missing one of your best, forwards like a guy that plays down the middle too right who was your number one center for a bit um if you got Stutzel and Norris down the middle now and they're healthy and playing to their capabilities like that's that's a big ad for compared to last year um I think everything else around the wings can kind of sort itself out in a way but like my thing with Dabrinkit when he came over was you're going from playing with Patrick Kane who still is that all-world playmaker at the very least maybe other elements skating certain things have, have gone down a notch um, he's still that all-world playmaker. Debrink, it's a great goal scorer. He's going to be a 30-goal guy, I think, throughout his career. But 
how many extras did he get playing with Kane? Uh, maybe a few. Um, so I, I thought there was going to be a bit of a drop anyways. And what do you have? 27 in the end? Yeah. 20, and get this, uh, Mike, here's some advanced analytics. They were 21, one and two when he scored. He just only scored in 26 games. <laughs> so here's a, here's a thing that I'm going to do one day when I got some time is, uh, go through what team's records are when anybody scores. Yeah. I think it's one of those stats where if you scored, that's at least a goal for your team. You're probably going to have a good record. And the ones that I love the best are like when Kachuk and Stutzla both score, the Sens are 30 and 0. Like, <laughs> they, are. they got two goals from two of their best players. That's you're off and running, right? Yeah. Um, so I try to be careful a little bit with those ones. But um, when you're putting up Hamburglar records, when, when that you- is that is Hamburglar, I think even if we find that it's consistently good, anyways, that's probably still yeah. uh, a bit of a notch above. But, um, but yeah, anyways, like to bring it, you know, going from playing kind of with with Pinto to, I guess he would have been playing with Norris this year. Yeah. Um, that probably would have helped the goal total a bit. Yeah, and, and it's funny. Anytime Ross uh, tw- used to tweet out that Debrinket stat, it was so divided. Half of Sens fans would be like, "Hell yeah, this is a great stat." <laughs> Let me hear that stat every time he scores. Then the other half would be like, "This is so stupid. Why are we even talking about this stat?" So it's one of those where like nobody can really decide. Uh, no, people have decided whether they like it or hate it. Yeah, it's divisive though for sure. That's Mike, the best kind of tweet. Exactly. Uh, that's why Ross loves right it. Right down the middle, get everyone divided. Um, so 40% loved it, 40% hated it, and 20% just tweeted meow in, in the <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the way the breakdown went. Mike, we really appreciate your time. I got a final question for you, and it goes back to our first question with Thomas Shabbat. What type of impact would playing a full season with Jacob Chikrin have just with the style fit? Do you think that would work, and how will it help Shabbat get to his potential? Beats Nikita Zaitsev, I'll tell you that much. Ding. Uh, yeah, like it, it's uh, they're both great skaters. Uh, Chikrin is a great defender in the sense that, like, he uses a stick uh, very, very effectively. One of the better guys in the league in that sense. Um, and he can, tr- he can make that play to, and then transition to offense too, right? So if you got Chabot jumping around, it's a better compliment than what he's had in the past. And then you have, you know, you got Sanderson in the mix and um, like he's not there. I think just because the, they've got so many defensemen like Tyler Clevin isn't, isn't there quite yet, but man, I, I think that kid's going to be really good. Um, I I spent a day at the development camp uh, earlier in July and did a couple presentations to the the kids there. And, um, and he was in one of the groups talking to the defensemen. Um, So I, I, before that had gone in and pulled up some numbers on him from, from UND and, and the bit that he played in professionally as well. And, um, man, he's going to be good too. And I, I think Branstrom still got another place to get to. Yeah. Um, so it's exciting, but, but yeah, if Chikrin can stay healthy, right. If, if, if that's the big question, it's always been, um, he, he's a, maybe a better defender than people think if they don't know that he is a good defender that helps Shabbat just free up his game a little bit more. Yeah. You could notice it from even his first game. Like he just, the, he always has one hand on his stick defensively and it's always swinging, always moving. It's like, you can't get within a three foot radius with him without being disrupted. Is it super? Oh cool. yeah. Uh, he's, he's one of the best stick checks block passes, but again, just the way that he's able to do it and like wrap his stick around a guy and then get his body in position to take it back up ice. Um, if you really, if you're watching this and want to get into detail on that, I, convinced the NHL network two seasons ago. I'm like, this guy's so good with his stick. He's in Arizona. 
I'm like, can I have him on for like 10 minutes and just ask him about like stick checks and using a stick and his feet and footwork and all that. And they're like, all right. So, um, I did about 10 minutes on like microscopic details of defending with Jacob Chicker okay. and you can Google it on NHL.com. And, we'll send people. Uh, there you go. Yeah, definitely want to check that out. Now, final question for me, Mike, and you, you talked about it a little bit, but obviously this roster is very different than the roster they had last season. But do you think the Sens are going to have to rely on kind of the strategy of outscore your defensive problems for them to have success or with the additions of uh chikrin with uh, sanderson having a full nhl season under his belt bringing in corpusalo do you think that they're going to be better defensively that they're not going to have to outscore their problems as much this season i think you're asking the big question right the the, the important one if they want to get to that next level get into the playoffs um Look, I, I don't think they're going to be a great defensive team no matter how you slice it. So I still think there's going to be an element of that anyways. Maybe they can score a bit more with what they brought in with internal progression from from a lot of guys that are still young and yeah. really talented. Um, maybe their D can get the puck up a little better and, and help that offense, which also helps you spend less time in your own end. But yeah, no, I, I still think they're going to give up more than most. Uh, in terms of chances and and quality. And in the end, that becomes, you have to kind of outscore that. So it doesn't make them unique. Like, I think they're going to score more goals. I look at last year, they were seventh in expected goals, which is the probability, again, of what you're creating. They were 18th in goals. So hmm. if that gap closes a little bit and normalizes a little bit, um, you're probably talking about a team that's hovering around the top 10-ish in there somewhere. That helps you already, let alone if you can just give up a little bit less. So if they can get to average defensively, which would be a big improvement, um, then they've got a real shot at the playoffs. Because like I said, I like Corpus Allo, And if he can platoon with Forsberg, who I like a lot too, then then you're starting to talk about it. Well, Alex Dabrinkat hit about a million posts and <laughs> missed just as many wide open nets. So now that that's not an issue, hopefully the expected goals uh, evens out a little here. Yeah. Uh -huh. That's awesome. Mike, we really appreciate your time, man. Always great to have a local product on. It's great seeing you on NHL Network as often as we do and peeling back the curtain for us at Sport Logique. It's been two years since we had you on, and I can promise I'll be knocking at your door a lot sooner than that. So appreciate all the insight, and we'll do this again down the road. All right, guys. Thanks a lot, Ross. Thanks, Brandon. Stick taps to Mike for joining us. Really fun conversation with him. I always feel like I learn something when I chat with Mike Kelly, but he makes me feel like I'm not an idiot for not understanding the numbers. So I appreciate that about Mike. Oh yeah, Mike's awesome. Definitely a, a great presenter of information. That's the key. Because like, there's a lot of uh, advanced analytics hockey guys that, cool, they know all the stats and stuff, but putting up a, a heat graph or numbers that nobody understands doesn't really do a whole lot. So you need to find a way to translate that into a relatable uh, conversational way. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, no one does it better than Mike. Hilsey, do you think Mike Kelly is the first analytics guru to come on a media driven show and say that Tyler Clevin is going to be a good NHL player? <laughs> I mean, probably, yeah. Pro and then in the same sentence, declare that Eric Brandstrom's going to have a, a big year as well. Like, usually it's one or the other. So, yes, that was awesome. That's what perked my attention. Like, I, I, I don't know why. I just have this feeling that he's going to be tough to cut in training camp for Ottawa. Look, I, I'm not a Tyler Clevin hater, but I'm not, uh, I'm not pushing him as quickly as, as you are. I, I think it's... 
There's no need to push him that quickly. What would he have to do to earn a spot in the NHL training camp, in your opinion? Uh, I mean, it's not even about that. That's the thing for me is... But that's what it's about for him. So, right? Like, how good does Tyler Clevin have to be to convince you as a coach who's like, hey, I got other guys. I got my, my Hammonick love that obviously I want him to be in the top seven, like JBD and, and Branny. Like, how does Clevin make such an impact in training camp and preseason that they don't have a choice? I want to start this off with saying, that, like, no matter what he does, I, I'd want him spending time in Belleville. Like, for, for me, there's not even, there's not an opportunity for him to do that. He, if, he's, if he scores a point per game, throws 10 big hits and gets in a fight and kicks a guy's ass, he's going to make the team. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The, my, where, I, where I was going to stray... I'm not saying that's realistic. I'd like that on record. Yeah. Where I was going to stray, though, like the the one thing that that is a big part of Clevin's game that we didn't see at all was the big physicality. So to to answer your question, even though I, I remain that I think he should spend time in Belleville no matter what, is he would have to throw some perfectly timed, big, open ice hits that doesn't take him out of the play. Like that's that's the key. Can you can you time it and line it up right so that it's not just a big physical play, so that it's actually a smart hockey play as well. So I, I agree with that. That's fair. It'll be a fun t- conversation to have come rookie camp where he should dominate rookie camp. That's oh, yeah. the first, first stage in, in getting to uh, where he wants to go. But if you had told me a year ago at this time that Philip Gustafson would be signing a three-year contract worth almost $4 million per season – I would have laughed you out of the room. So credit to Philip Gustafson. We like seeing goalies get paid. Good stuff. But uh, yeah, I'm still convinced it would never have worked in Ottawa, but good for him. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm the same. Like, I was a Gus guy. I, I was always supporting Gus. I always believed in him. I mentioned he he was the guy I was protecting in the expansion draft, and that's what the Sens did. But I just don't think he fit here and... And, and that is just kind of one of those matter-of-fact statements. Like, it's not good or bad. It's just kind of a neutral thing. It just it, – I don't think he would have been able to do what he did in Minnesota here. So I'm, I'm not upset at the situation at all. But it's not only in Ottawa. You and I watched him in Belleville. He was mm-hmm. average at best. Yep. Yeah, I mean, he definitely had some moments of brilliance. Like, when he – that uh, I forget which season, but when he came in and played whatever, it was like 12 games or whatever at the last part of the season, he was one of the best goalies in that stretch in the league. Like right. not, not even just amongst rookies or, or whatever, like in that span, he was absolutely on fire. And I thought we were going to see more of that. Unfortunately, didn't didn't work out that way. No, him and Joey Decord had the same decor in front of him. Dax was a seventh-round pick. He'll mm-hmm. tell you 199th overall. So yes. Tom Brady. But um, no, but in all seriousness, like they had the same decor ahead of him. I think Dax was like a 920 save percentage, and and Goss was like an 890. Like it was just – but hey, he's found that consistency because we saw it in the NHL during the COVID year too that in a, in a bottle he can catch lightning. And he's able to make a lot of consistent saves. But then there were how many times, Pills, that you, we'd look up, it'd be 2 nothing in the first five minutes of a game. So, hey, yep. good on him. He's been able to iron out that part of his game. Obviously, a great defensive structure in Minnesota as well. So, good for him. Three-year contract for Philip Gustafson. And if I'm not mistaken, that will take him right to unrestricted free agency. If not, maybe one year left. Of- I'm going to guess there's one year left. Hey, good for him. Any final thoughts on today's show, Pillsy? 
Final thoughts for me is uh, I hope you guys enjoy our new uh, episode, bonus episode idea coming out tomorrow, The Ring of Honor, where uh, me, Ross, and Martian each get to pick four players in a draft-style uh, uh, show, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I'll, I'll be honest, uh, this one got a little off the rails for me at, at the very end, but that's okay. That's That's the whole fun of it. That's what it's all about. My final thoughts, and again, go check that out on YouTube. It will drop at noon on Tuesday. Noon on Tuesday, Eastern Time. Um, Phil Gustin will be a UFA at the end of this contract. So mm, Interesting. Interesting, for sure. So we'll keep keep an eye on how that affects the goalie market, although the Sens are pretty set there with Forsberg. Two yeah, more years. Not worried. And uh, five more seasons of Eunice Corpusalo. Does Corpusalo make the list? We'll get into that tomorrow. Hope you enjoyed our conversation with Mike Kelly. If you don't already, go follow him on Twitter at Mike Kelly NHL. Great analytics for dummies, for guys like me and Pilsy. But for today, we say goodbye. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. <laughs>